Welcome to the Blind Stigma Podcast with your hosts, Stacey Ann Buchanan and Dr. Natasha Williams. This podcast aims to provide a safe space that explores mental health within the Black community, breaks down the stigmas attached while taking back our narratives. Welcome to the Blind Stigma Podcast. I am your host, Stacey M. Buchanan. And I am Dr. Natasha Williams. Thank you so much for joining us. So we initially wanted to do this podcast because we felt like there was more of our narratives that we, we need to take back our narratives. And we need to talk about how mental health is viewed in the black community and have stories from all different spectrums. So the lived experience like myself. Exactly. And as well as the clinical experience as a clinical psychologist. So being able to, you know, look at not only facts, but, you know, the the information, uh, the the clinical terms and terminology. So being able to bring that information to the forefront and provide our listeners with the accurate information. Exactly. And we wanted to have guests too, guests that are um, have lived experience like myself, caregivers. Absolutely. We have different, we have psychologists as well. Other, other types of therapists as well, social workers, psychotherapists. It's important to be that we're able to have stories from um, a variety of areas because I think, you know, especially with us in the black community, um, the misinformation, it runs deep. And what that informa- misinformation does is perpetuate and, and strengthen the stigma. We have decided to do this podcast so that we are able to get that information out there, but that, you know, we're taking back our narratives, but the, the information is for us, by us, you know, it, it's, it's important that we actually are, are doing this for the community ourselves. Absolutely. And we ourselves, um, we've gone through it. I've gone through it. Absolutely. As a mental health advocate um, out there, spreading awareness on mental health, um, sharing how to have a healthy mindset, how to take care of yourself, coping techniques that you can do, especially for anxiety and depression. I was hit. I was hit really hard in 2016 when I went through my separation and eventually my divorce that ended in 2017. And just think about being out there and, and, and spreading this awareness and, and, and talking about mental health and myself, I was just going through it and I was, and I was, and I was in deep and I wanted to create this podcast and I wanted Dr. Natasha on board. We wanted to do this together to just, to just let you know, it's not just about talking the talk, it's walking the walk as well. And, and also, sharing our experiences i think that's it's amazing to to hear that you know even as an advocate we also can we are are, we are also human um i've been a clinical psychologist for 13 over 13 years and it's not just that i've studied for all of this time you know i have my clinic and my practice and and i help people get through but you know both of us have lived experience I have lived experience as well. Um, separation, 
early 2018, divorce finalized close to the end of 2019, um, struggles personally with infertility, um, infidelity in, in my marriage, which both of those were some of the catalysts that caused the breakup of my marriage. But I'm here also as well, day to day, trying to heal clients you know, that come to my office on a day-to-day basis. So I'm trying to be the catalyst for healing, and then I have to now turn around myself and facilitate my healing. And what does that look like? So talk the talk, walk the walk, that's what we do. Because you don't have to be this, you know, advocate who believes that you have to have this superhero, you know, superwoman cape on and not believe that we don't go through our own struggles as well. So we may have the lived experience and the clinical knowledge, but we also have the personal experience where we've had to walk through the fire to get to the other side. Absolutely. Dr. Natasha, do you want to tell us your story? Absolutely. So... My story starts in, well, I, I, I was a, I'm a clinical psychologist, so I, I graduated in 2004, um, be, received my full um, licensure in 2005, and I started a private practice. Um, so there was just a lot of, you know, struggles just becoming a psychologist as well. But my private practice was starting to, I, I started right away. My practice was thriving, um, you know, being able to, to help clients from a variety of, of, of areas. And um, in the midst of that, I was, um, I was dating uh, someone that I met at my workplace. I used to work as a, in the admin department at Bell Canada as I was doing my master's and my doctorate. And, you know, he, he worked in the same department that I did. Uh, so once I had left Bell Canada, uh, I, it's interesting because I actually had a philosophy. I never dated anyone I worked with. So um, I left because I wanted to pursue a career or a job in my own field. So I left. I was, you know, engaged in my doctorate. We were friends for about four years as we were working together. But then we decided afterwards to to date and uh, another four years after that. So I've graduated. I've now finished my licensure and uh, we got engaged in 2007 and we got married in April 2008. So everything seemed to be going very well, careers thriving. Um, he then changed careers as well. So he became a police officer. And so, you know, you've got two career-minded people. You know, we, we have the, the beautiful home, the cars. Um, you know, we, we had family always coming to our homes and gathering. And it was, you know, it seemed to be, you know, you know the blessed life, the best life, if you want to call it that. And as soon as we got married, even though we were talking about careers and everything, we wanted to start a family. And we, we tried and, and tried and, and things, you know, things were not happening. Um, so we said, okay, maybe we just need a bit of medical intervention. So both of us got tested and not, uh, not finding anything, not finding anything. So they, they diagnosed it with as unexplained infertility. 
And we said, okay, so I guess we'll have to go through some interventions. So um, intrauterine insemination, we did three rounds of IUI. Um, in vitro fertilization, we did six rounds. We, we tried it six times uh, with no success. Now, in the midst of all of this, uh, six years after we got married, two of his brothers got married three months apart from each other. So they got married, and uh, a year later or so, they started having kids. And you can see that it was eating him up inside because the one thing he wanted more than anything else was to have children. Um, and then his best friend... Um, a year after that, so we were now married seven years or so, and his best friend was in a relationship for 12 years. They finally got married, and one year after, they got pregnant. And it really ate him up inside. So just to even taking it back a second, um, in the midst of going through all of these medical procedures, um, it took a toll on my health. Um, I, uh, I gained about 70 pounds because you're taking all of these hormones plus the stress and the, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't even about, um, you know, eating cause I would eat well, you know, I, I'm always, you know, mindful of what I eat and what I put in my body. Um, and I would exercise three to four times a week, but I was still gaining weight my hormones were out of balance. So when your hormones are out of balance, I'm injecting all of these hormones in my system as part of the, of the infertility treatments. I gained about 70 pounds. Um, I was quite stressed. Um, my hair fell out. Um, so there was just a lot of things that were going on, but I'm still keeping everything together. My practice is still thriving. I'm I'm getting guest spots on 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 um, on a talk on talk shows. I'm being asked to speak, um, you know, at different community events as well as radio shows. I'm starting to, um, you know, see more clients. My clinic is thriving. I'm starting to take on staff. I'm speaking internationally at at psychological conferences. So my my practice is thriving and the family does not see what's going on because the family had no idea we were going through these infertility pieces um it was just that you know people started asking you guys have been married for how long when are you guys gonna have kids when are you guys gonna have children and I'm also a Christian woman so for me it was you know I'm just gonna stay prayerful you know God blesses in his in his perfect time. So I'm just going to be prayerful. We're doing everything that we can. And I forgot to mention that it wasn't just the medical treatments. I also engaged in everything else you could possibly imagine. Homeopathy, naturopathy, uh, TCM, so traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, massage, chiropractic, everything you could possibly imagine. I said, I'm going to put every effort that I can into creating this family. And it was to no avail. So we'll fast forward now uh, to October 2017 and come home from work. And, usually, and, I, and I come home from work, but I also work from home as well. I worked a lot, and that was sort of my safe place. And he comes home, and he basically looks at me and says, I've got something to tell you, and I know you're going to be mad at me. And I'm going to put this in context because I just found out that the last round of IVF, the sixth time I've done it, it wasn't successful. So I just found out that I, it wasn't successful. And I said, okay, that's okay. We've got some more embryos. We can do this again. It's no problem. So we just celebrated Thanksgiving with the family. And then he comes up to me 
in my family room and says, I, I am having a baby with another woman and she's due, the baby's due in March. Wow. I was like, really? I go, you're, you're kidding me, right? And he's like, yeah. He goes, I'm having a baby with another woman in March. I walked out the house and the first thing he says is make sure you don't go out and drink. I'm like, yeah, okay. I went to, ch I went to the parking lot of my church is what I did. Sat in the parking lot and just contemplated what in the world did I just hear? Everything that I knew came crashing down. So I went back home. I cleaned myself up because I knew I had to be at work the next day for 9 a.m. Went to work. Came home. And I had to figure out then, how am I going to, you know, pick up these pieces and... and pick up these pieces and put them back together because everything is shattered. But I need to put it back because this is what I know. This is, you know, I've known this man for 20 years altogether. I've got to pick up the people because the thing is, in the midst of all of that, he said that he planned this because things weren't happening and he needs a child. So he made a plan with this other woman who is, a, who is his co-worker, um, because she's also desperate for a child for her own reasons, so they planned this together. Um, he told her that he's happily married, he loves his wife, he loves her in every way, but he needs a kid. So he had to go out and um, only slept with her when she was ovulating, because it was a plan. Um, so, so, you know, she's, she's pregnant, and I'm like, okay. But he doesn't want to leave the marriage. He wants to work it out. We, we have to do counseling, whatever we need to do to, to work this out. He wants to stay married. Um, and he, always, he wants me to help him raise the child. I wasn't even part of this plan to begin with. So, <laughs> um, so I initially stayed I, for two months. So November and December, I was like, we can make this work. I'm pretty sure we can. Um, we can, we, we, we're going to find a way to work this out. And as each day passed, my stomach sank further and further. And I could hear God telling me, you are my child and you deserve way better than this. This is not the life I have carved out for you. I'm actually giving you a way out. Because a lot of times as Christians... What we believe is, is that, you know, that divorce is not an option and that if you divorce, that you are cursed. But the interesting thing is, is that when God orchestrates something and in the Bible, it says that adultery is the re of one of the reasons that you can file for divorce and you're not cursed. It actually is because that other person has broken the marriage covenant. I had to go a little deeper and look at that. Um, so two months pass, we're going through the counseling, going through the motions, but God is speaking to me loud and clear to the point where I'm just like, okay, God, I, okay, I get it now. <laughs> I get it. Um, this is not the life for me. First week in January, I went to him and I said, you're trying to dictate to me what you believe my best life is. And this is not it. I'm not afraid of, of starting over again. I've done it before, 
and I can do it again. I'm leaving. And with that, in one week, I packed up all of my stuff, everything that I had in the house, pretty much, with a, a U-Haul truck coming about a month later, and I moved to my parents' house. And that's where I really had to initiate my journey, my healing, and my, my self-discovery. I had, I, I'm trying my best not to interject on your story, but I, I wanted to know how were you managed to still have a practice, still have clients while you're dealing with your own pain mm -hmm. and your own struggles? How were you, how did you still manage that? It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. I knew that um, my best self wasn't coming forward. I had to, the, I use the term disassociate, which is not necessarily the best term from a clinical vantage point, but literally I had to push my pain aside, be tunnel vision and sort of say, I have this client for an hour. My pain is not the, is, is not the focus right now. I have one hour I need to be with this client. Once the client left, I can bring myself back. So I had to literally work in compartments. People who know me knew that there was something wrong because I was facilitating workshops and that kind of thing. And the people who knew me knew me. They're like, what's going on? I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm just not hungry or, you know, so I'm making excuses and, and stuff like that. But work has always been my comfort being a businesswoman and being in control of that environment from a professional standpoint has always been my comfort. So it was a place where I could almost find solace by working more. And I used work as my solace. If something was going on in our marriage, if I wasn't communicating, if we weren't communicating well or whatever the case may be, I just took on more clients. I worked harder. Uh, so it was, it was, that, were, that was my safe space. So that's why I was able to keep on going, doing what I wanted to do and, and grow my practice in the midst of all of that. And I guess that same question as to how you cope is just the same as saying, how did you address your issues? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I addressed it by working more, first and foremost. Um, but that can only take you so far because that means I'm, I'm avoiding and I'm starting I'm running away from my problems. So I would work more, but I'm not addressing what the core issue is. So I have a, a spiritual coach, mentor. She was somebody that um, was in my life previously because as a psychologist or as any kind of person who's doing mental health work or, or that kind of work, I also think it's important that understanding that as you're human, you need your own outlet as well. So I had a therapist, spiritual coach, um, whom I had gone to previously, um, and who'd been in my life for years prior. And while she was more, um, we would work more on, on my stuff professionally, like if I had some difficult clients or whatever, she also helped me personally because two years prior to, to this whole thing blowing up, I found out he cheated on me before. So um, she actually helped me navigate through that as well. So 
once all of this went down, I went to her and she was uh, the catalyst that allowed me all of my emotions, being able to to cry, be rageful, be angry, be uh, go through the grieving process of losing this relationship that I didn't even know I was losing. Um, a lot of the questions she she allowed me to go through that process, that healing process. And she was the one who basically, if you want to say, put the nail in the coffin and said, listen, you need to go. This is not this is not you. This is not what God wants for you. This season is done. God wants so much more for you and he's holding you back. So she was the one that allowed me to facilitate that healing, shift mindset because part of that mindset was him trying to tell me that this is my best life. You're not going to have kids anyway. So it's just better that you stay with me and raise mine than most likely go out and marry somebody else. Can you leave that for a second. For, for a, a second. For, for a moment. Because I'm like, well, we've been trying for nine years, you know, and I'm not pregnant. And, you know, let me just move on. Uh, let me just stay with him. And what, and then, I, then, you know what? I think I believe that for maybe all of five minutes. I'll be honest with you. So I believed it for a second. <laughs> And then I came back and I'm like, oh, no way. No. no way. As a Christian woman and to see what adversities people have gone through in the Bible and women that have, go- what have gone through in the Bible and God has blessed them in, in ways that you couldn't even imagine. Mm-hmm. There's no way I can believe this garbage. Yeah. So um, I knew it and she confirmed it. And that's where I was able to get the strength to up and leave. And the minute I made that decision, it shifted my mindset because there was nothing that he could say that would even convince me that anything that he said held weight. When you get to a space where you can look at someone and it's someone that I loved, Mm-hmm. But when you get to the space when you look at somebody and regardless of what they say, you think it's a bunch of garbage. So you have your your opinion has no credibility in my eyes because you're just not credible. I don't care. That's a place of power because that person has absolutely no influence on you. Any That's longer. a powerful statement right there when you get to that place. Yeah. And I, d- I got to that place where I looked at him and I'm like, your opinion has no weight in my life because what? it. It has it's it's void. You, you you mean nothing to me. You not only that you mean nothing to me, but your opinion really doesn't matter. I could care less. Yes. What I what I admire about earlier in your story, what you said was that you have a spiritual coach. Mm-hmm. And as a therapist, you know, people come to you. Right. They come to you for advice. They come to you for solutions. Mm-hmm. And to know that as a therapist, you too can go to somebody when you're going through stuff. And I think that's really, really important for people to know and for the guests that are listening and mm-hmm. other psychologists, therapists Absolutely. really that are listening. They, You know, people know that, hey, mind, mindset coaches, therapists, people that are, are in the in the, the field of, of coaching you, they themselves have a coach and that's really important I try my best not to put myself on a pedestal yes I've trained for years I have a lot of knowledge and it took me years to get to where I am in terms of you know four years for an undergrad two years for a master's another five years for a doctor so it's a lot of schooling I've got a lot of stuff in books and that kind of thing 
But I, what I need people to understand is that we're also human. Yes. We are also human. And, you know, and this is why, especially in the helping professions, burnout is the biggest, biggest thing, especially in the helping professions, because um, you're, you believe that you have to or that you are, um, you're blessed with gifts and talents, but then you also believe that you have to help everyone. Mm-hmm. And when you get to that place of burnout, it's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm taking on too many people's problems or there's someone that I can't help. Um, and when you get to that space, nurses, doctors, you know, anyone is in that helping profession, burnout is twice as likely in compared to other professions. So I had to make sure if I want longevity in my profession, yes. talk the talk, walk the walk, which means I also need to make sure that I also put those things in place for myself, for my whole health. That's really important. Dr. Natasha, where would you say you are right now in your, in your journey? I am in such an amazing place in my journey. It is miles from where I thought I would be, but so far ahead. It's like the minute that my mind shifted and I said, enough is enough, that, um, you know, cut the ball and chain and release him, release everything that he represents in my life, my life soared. So I knew that he was holding me back from what God had for me. The minute I said that I'm gone, that was January. In February, I bought a new home. Amen. In March, I opened up a new clinic that was that, you know, was built from the ground up, from the studs up. Wow. So that was March. In April, um, I was part of a book called Carpe Diem and we launched the book in April. I'm now in in a space where the clinic is thriving. We have staff. Um, I'm also a professional speaker and I've been speaking for years but now I'm actually you know launching as a professional speaker, a keynote speaker as well. Yes. Um, you know, th- th- you know, there's this podcast, th- there's, I, I'm, I'm doing a radio show. Um, there's just so many things that have happened personally and professionally that have been unbelievable. And I think in the midst of all of this pain, I've found myself where I thought I knew myself, Amen. That's but so this, powerful. But this pain and what I've gone through, I've found my true authentic self. And it has opened me up to love again. And that's the, the biggest thing also that has happened. My love of God, first and foremost, mm-hmm. became huge. Where I was always a Christian, I was always a faithful woman. Yes. But my love of God and my relationship with God deepened. Wow. In the midst of all of this pain which was beautiful. And what he has done is he has healed my heart so that now I'm in love again. And it's the most beautiful thing to see how God works in all of these areas of your life Mm -hmm. to for you to really see the, the things that he wants for you. 
and how he wants to use your life as a testimony. And it's, you know, some people don't allow themselves the time or the patience because they're like, oh, you know, it's now 2020. And, you know, this was happening since 2018. It's a journey. So I've seen where he's taking me in so many areas. And, you know, and the thing is, I don't, you know, he's not done yet. I, nope. I know this. I'm already been, my mind has already been blown. Yes. But I have a feeling he, he's just like, you think your you mind ready? is blown now? <laughs> hey, you, you just wait. So I'm so excited to see where God is taking me next. Yes. Do you feel like, maybe this question is backtracking a bit, but it's do you okay. feel that in the midst of going through your pain and now when you're in such a beautiful space, you feel like you're, your your therapy sessions with your clients changes at all yes because um the more that you are healed you know the more that you are then attuned to your clients and i was always focused with my to my i was focused on my clients but at the same time i'm still trying to go through my healing mm-hmm. now i have an even more powerful story where i can then tell my clients what i'm asking you to do it's not just because I read it in a textbook. Yes. What I'm asking you to do, I have done myself or would do myself. So it comes from a more powerful place. So it's not that I'm just telling you to do something. I'm telling you I've done it myself. I don't usually get, I don't get into my, my story with my clients. But what my clients understand is, is that I've gone through a journey as well. Absolutely. Which means that if I've gone through it, I'm not telling you anything that I wouldn't do myself. And that ends up being a more powerful place to be in terms of, I call myself a healer as well. I'm a psychologist, but I'm also a healer because God has provided me those gifts and talents to be a healer. So I think I've become a more powerful healer as a result. Absolutely. How do you, how do you think we, the community, the black community, how can we change the stigma? I think what we have to do to change the stigma is to remove the shame and to remove the shame means we have to talk that in and of itself because a lot of times where the shame comes in is is that we 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 refuse to to open up our mouths and say something yeah right and that's what feeds the shame Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, you know, I need to I need to sweep this under the rug, the rug. I can't say anything. Um, you know, this can't leave the four walls of my house or whatever. And, you know, we I think to remove the stigma or to significantly reduce the stigma is to talk open up your mouth and say what it is that's going on. We talk about diabetes. Mm -hmm. We talk about high blood pressure. We talk about sickle cell. So these are the things that impact our community as a black community in such large rates. But we can't talk about depression. Because we're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to put it together. But so even even when you're diagnosed with diabetes, you're still strong, right? Right. So so we we, we still talk about being strong because you're handling it. You you take your medication and that kind of thing and you're, you're managing it. Yes. But we all of a sudden you're depressed, you're anxious, you're whatever. And now all of a sudden you're not strong. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to, this doesn't sound bad, we need to stop the foolishness mm-hmm. and really come out and say, listen, this is what's going on. Mental health, mental illness is real. It's real. It's real. And the person is not crazy 
the person needs help. Yep. They need support. You. This is not the time to be pushing people away. It, this is the time to embrace people. Absolutely. And that's what we need to do to start removing the stigma. Well, Dr. Natasha Williams, I thank you. I, I thank you so much for sharing your story. And I admire you as a woman, not just your your strength and your vulnerability, but overall the fact that you connect with everyone that you meet on a human level. You you carry yourself so modestly. You're so modest. You're such a powerful <laughs> woman and I have admired you for so long and, and you're you're so easy to talk to. Thank you. And it is it it is it is such a joy and, and, and such an honor that I can I, I and a privilege that I can take you out and we can go out and we can have brunch and we can sit uh, and we can talk sure. and we can and we can talk about what's happening in our lives and 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 it's not Absolutely. coming from like say it, it, it's um it's a it's a therapist and a client but as a friend, friend. that Absolutely. is that is so important and and that is and our relationship is something that I will continue to nurture oh for sure 100% it is it is, it is so beautiful and and your story is is so powerful and i and i know and i know there's somebody out there I always say there's one person mm -hmm. that's one person that's gonna say that is for me yes because years ago i saw a quote that says your your story really and truly you think it's just for you you know of course we we of course we know there you know you have your stories and there's chapters that you don't read out aloud but your story is not just for you your story is there to help another and i don't know about you but every time I share my story. There's, I get so much more strength. Absolutely, absolutely. Because, it's, because the thing is with with our stories, the more that you talk about it, is the more that you heal. Mm -hmm. I think the more that you hold it inside and believe that you have to, that there's some shame or something behind it, and and you know that that, that there's a problem. I always believe that we are placed on this earth for a reason, and I truly believe that. I'm going through and I've gone through what I've gone through because God wants to use me as a vessel to heal others, which means the more that I share my story is the more that he gets glory. And then at the end of the day, I can help. And even if it's just one person that one time, mm -hmm. then God gets the glory. And that's what my life purpose is all about. Amen. Amen. And, and, Thank you for um, for knowing your life purpose because so many of us, we go through life and we're still trying to figure it out. We're still trying to figure what our purpose is, mm -hmm. what that calling is. And I've always said that your pain is your purpose. Oh my God, you said, you said it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That your pain is, is your purpose. Your pain is your purpose. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't realize that we try to avoid pain. Mm -hmm. but it's through that pain that you truly figure out who you are because and you're I, growing you you oh. yes absolutely so with that i i i mean again i've I'd been a clinician for quite some time but it's been through this pain mm -hmm. um that i was like okay i i know where to go with this and i know who you want me to serve so let's do this You've reached the end of another episode of the Blind Stigma Podcast with your hosts, Stacey Ann Buchanan and Dr. Natasha Williams. Thank you for tuning in. 
If you're a first-time listener and you like the show, then please subscribe, rate, and review us on all the major podcast platforms. Don't forget to connect with us on social media at The Blind Stigma and join the conversation. Find out more about each guest and help us to change the stigma while taking back our narratives. This podcast is produced by What's Up Toronto and Stacey Ann Buchanan Productions.